Interesting words directed at Israel. I wonder what the relevance is for us this morning. I hope that we'll discover that. Father, we ask today that you would open your word to our minds and that we would feed on it in our spirits and that as a result we become more like Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. Well, the prophet Isaiah was ministering during a turbulent time in the history of Israel. The nation had abandoned the ways of the Lord and was living in open sin and idolatry. And the verses leading up to the text that I actually want to preach on, they chronicle a scene of of, of rebellion and sin. In verse 2, we notice that, that Israel had become openly rebellious to the Lord. In verse 3, it tells us they refuse to acknowledge God and spiritually they are more stupid than the farm animals that are around about them. Interesting. In verse 4, we discover they've forsaken the Lord. They've provoked into anger. Verse 5, we discover they've refused to respond to the Lord's attempt to chastise them. Verses 5 and 6 tell us they are sick spiritually and they are desperately in need of help. Verses 7 to 8 tells us that violence has filled the whole land. Verses 9 to 10, well, it tells us in many ways they become as, as vile as ancient Sodom and Gomorrah. You remember that place? Their religious services, verses 11 to 15, they're an abomination to, the, to God. And indeed, in verse 9, you find a little bit of hope. The only thing that the nation of Israel has is there's a small remnant of faithful Jews. It's interesting, when I read those verses, I thought like, meh, I could open today's newspaper much the same, wouldn't it? Really? Things haven't changed a lot. It could have been lifted straight out of today's headlines. So the world is in as bad a spiritual shape as ancient Israel was in those days. And in the midst of this incredibly sad commentary, we see an amazing scene acted out. Because these people have been blessed by the Lord in so many wonderful ways. Israel should have been a nation that was seeking after God. They should have been looking for ways to mend their relationship with him. And instead, what do we see is we see the Lord seeking them. That interests me. They are in rebellion. And yet God seeks after them. Doesn't that show you the grace of God? Our God is a gracious God. He's seeking his people. He's inviting them to make things right with them, right with him. And that, that's, that fact underscores a truth which we find, in, in, we find throughout the pages of the Bible. And here's the truth that you really need to understand, is that people will not seek the Lord, they won't, until they are first sought by the Lord. That's the way things are. People will not love the Lord until they are first loved by the Lord. And God always makes the first move in this whole thing that we know as our salvation. Because after all, it says in the Bible that humans are dead in transgressions and sins. How can we do anything unless God comes and seeks us first of all? Jesus came into the world for the sole purpose of seeking and saving that which was lost. Us. Now, I know we want to elevate human beings in these last days, and no one wants to hear or believe that human beings are actually totally depraved and cut off from God, because that's the spiritual fact. 
Most folks would say, no, we've all got the spark of the divine in us somewhere. There's some goodness in each one of our hearts. Well, the Bible is very clear on this whole matter. Mankind is vile. Human beings are sinners. And there's no good in them at all. And we will never come to God unless God first comes to us. John chapter 6 verse 44 says, No one, Jesus is speaking, he says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Do you see how hopeless we are as human beings? We can do nothing for ourselves. We can't even turn to God for ourselves. God has to draw us. We are totally dependent upon him. So what we see in this, in this passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 1 is we see a dirty, vile, wicked people who need to be cleansed. And they are approached by God and invited to come to him to be cleansed. So we see a principle that is still true today. God is still inviting people, a wicked, sinful people. God is still inviting them to come to him for cleansing. So today I want to look at this very closely and see some principles contained in this invitation to be cleansed. You might like to open your Bible to Isaiah chapter 1, specifically verse 18. Let me read it for you. Come now, says the Lord, let us reason together. God is speaking. He says, come now, let us reason together. That word come is an imperative. It's a command. God is reaching out to a wayward, sinful people and he's calling them back to himself. This is amazing because God knows exactly how they are living. We just read all that, didn't we? About the lifestyle of Israel. He knows the way they've treated his law. He knows how vile they are. He knows the depth of their sin. He knows how wicked they've become and yet... Despite all that, he still loves them. He still reaches out to them in love to extend grace and mercy to them if they will repent. That was then. The blessing of this verse is the fact that this invitation still stands today. God knows all about the sins in our lives. He knows about the fact that we walk away from him. He knows that. He knows how far we've sunk. He knows that we are wicked. He knows that we are evil. He knows that we are utterly depraved. That we can't do anything for ourselves. And yet he still loves us. In spite of our sinful condition, he calls us and he says, Come, come to me. It's a command and it's a call. Come to me. Listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. As he calls lost people. Revelation 22 verse 17. The spirit and the bride say come. And let him who he is say come. Whoever is thirsty let him come. And whoever wishes let him take the free gift of the water of life. See in the New Testament it's there as well. In John 7 verse 37. Jesus says if anyone is thirsty let him come to me and drink. There's the invitation from the Lord Jesus himself. Matthew 11 verse 28. Jesus says come to me all of you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. There's the call. It's in the Old Testament. It's in the New Testament. It tells us about the heart of God. God is calling us to come to Him. Have you heard that invitation? And have you responded to that invitation? Have you come to the Lord so that He can save your soul? Have you received Jesus as your personal Savior? 
This is not something that happens holes bolus to everyone. It's a personal transaction between you and God. You see, God understands Israel's condition better than they did. They thought they were doing all right. They were playing both sides of the fence. They were happy. But God knew that they were in deep trouble. So he reaches out to them to call them and invite them to come home. And the same is exactly true for us as well. God knows our condition better than we do. Take a person who's outside of the kingdom of God. That person thinks they're doing their own thing. They're okay. No problems. Live life under your own terms. What they don't realize, of course, is they're nothing else but a pawn in the hands of the devil. They're being driven to sin by forces they cannot, cannot control. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 and 3 says this. Listen carefully what the Bible says. It says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who, know, who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. See, the Bible says it describes us very honestly. We were dead, unable to do anything for ourselves, following after the ruler of the kingdom of the air. His name is Satan. Now, I know the world does not want to say, oh, we're all a bunch of Satanists. <laughs> but they are, in fact. They're following him. He's the one who's controlling them. God knows the true nature of our condition. And God has moved to do something about it. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 and 8 says, You see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whilst we're in that dreadful condition, unable to do anything for ourselves, Jesus says, I will take your place on that cross. I will die for you personally. When Jesus died on the cross, the door of salvation was opened. And God now invites everyone who's trapped in sin to come to him. So this is a very intense invitation, isn't it? It's also a very immediate invitation because the command is, look at verse 18, come when? Come now. Don't delay, come now. God's command is for them to come now. They must not delay. God can see something that Israel could not see. He could see where their rebellion and their sin was leading them. He could see there was a great judgment about to fall upon them. He could see their condition. He could see their condemnation. And on the, on the basis of what he could see, he now presses them to make a change in their lives and come to him now. Fascinating. That's then. What about now? Well, it's exactly the same for those people who are without God today. All those people can see is the next step in life. I'm doing okay. I haven't done anything really bad. Maybe. They all feel the pleasure of their sinfulness. All they can think about is the here and now. But they pay no attention to what's waiting them down the road. The here and now is pretty good for most of us, particularly here in Australia. But what's down the road? If a wayward people 
those without God could see what was down the road, what they could see would terrify them. If they could see what lies just around the few more bends in the road, they would repent of their sins and run to Jesus to be cleansed. The person who is lost would see that their eternity is in a place without God forever. It's described as hell. They would see themselves in a place of eternal torment. They would be forever separated from their family and friends. I had opportunity to share with one of my neighbours again this week. Oh, I feel like banging my head against the wall, honestly. I want to bang him on the head sometimes. But he reckons, ah, oh, mate, I'll be with all my friends there. I said, mate, it's not going to be an eternal barbecue. Drinking beers with your friends, I can promise you. You'll be on the barbecue. It's the best way I can explain it to him. Ah, he says, and off he goes. You see, hell's a place we're forever going to be separated from our family and our friends. There's no peace, there's no hope, and there's no God. We're ultimately... That's destruction. A saved person who's walked away from God, you also need to look at this very carefully. Because God will chastise you. He'll discipline you. I discipline my children when they disobey me because I love them. I hate disciplining my children. With a passion, I cry more than they do. But they must be disciplined because I can see what's going to happen as a result if I don't. Because I love them. The same way God will discipline us also. You know, sometimes we as Christians get disciplined in such a way that we experience the premature grave. That's the discipline of God. We should see the terrible consequences suffered by our families. Why? Because of our sin. This is the discipline of God. We need to get right with God. God knows how bad things are going to get. He knows the pain and the suffering that's coming. He knows about the judgment that's about to fall. And so God calls wayward people to come to him and come to him now. He calls them now without delay because delaying is dangerous. You don't know what's around the next corner. If you are not right with God today, you need to come to him. Listen to what the Bible says in Genesis chapter 6. So this is, the, this is the very beginning of the Bible. God says, My spirit will not contend with man forever, for he is mortal. So right in the beginning, God says, Listen, you're running out of time. The New Testament, 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 2 says, Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Brothers and sisters, God will not wait forever. Right now is the time to make sure that you're in right relationship with God. So can you see that this is a very intense invitation? This is a very immediate invitation. Do it now. And it's also a very intimate invitation. Because God says in verse 18 of Isaiah chapter 1, God says, come now, let us reason together. Come now, let us reason together. The phrase, let us reason together, is legal terminology. It means, let's settle this matter now before a court. Let's try the case. Let's sort it now. Because what's happened is, the people of Israel, they've broken their covenant with the Lord. They've failed to hold up their end of the contract. And God has initiated, initiated legal processes against them. He's bringing to them against them all these charges. What charges? Well, we listed them in, in chapter 1. You know, they're rebellious and they're, they're stupid as donkeys. And... 
all the rest so God says come on defend yourself now they're in serious trouble because God has the goods on them he knows everything and they're called to answer for their sins however it's interesting even though this is a legal case the phrase come now is also an invitation to come and walk with the Lord so even though he says hang on legal there's a legal case pending but come now let us walk together for a moment let us walk together he's not inviting them to a debate this is not open for negotiation he's inviting them to come to his way of thinking he's inviting them to agree with him the prophet Amos in Amos chapter 3 verse 3 says do two walk together unless they are agreed to do so so what's happening here God is saying to his people look I'm going to give you an opportunity come and walk with me recognize that you are wrong in your way of living come and say you are sorry and that you're ready to go the right way walking alongside me so what's God doing he's offering his people a chance to settle the matter outside of court if they'll be reasonable and honor their covenant with the Lord he's going to drop the charges he's going to restore them to a place of fellowship he's saying come now repent of your sins change your ways I will receive you and I'll restore you that's amazing this is a very intimate invitation to Israel to change their ways to get in line with God he say look let's walk together for a moment I do that sometimes with someone I say come on let's go for a walk let's go for a walk and we'll talk and we sort the matters out as we talk and walk together that's grace that's God's grace that's what it's all about here God's invitation brothers and sisters hasn't changed it's still a very intimate thing God doesn't call groups to come and walk with him he calls individuals to come and walk with him he calls us by name he calls us personally to walk with him and that's a very intimate thing he calls he points out the areas of disagreement and then he invites us to a place of agreement with him that's a very intimate thing it's wonderful have a look in, in John, John's gospel John chapter 16 if you would this is the very nature of the Holy Spirit and conviction John chapter 16 verses uh, 7 to 13 this is how God works and how the Holy Spirit works when he's walking along with you and you're walking with God but I tell you the truth it is for your good says Jesus that I'm going away unless I go away the counselor will not come to you but if I go I will send him to you and when he comes the counselor right the Holy Spirit when he comes he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment in regard to sin because men do not believe in me in regard to righteousness because I'm going to the Father where you can see me no longer and in regard to judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned I have much more to say to you more than you can now bear but when he the spirit of truth comes he will guide you into all truth he'll not speak on his own he'll speak only what he hears and he'll tell you what is yet to come so what he's saying here is that when you walk with God when you go along the path and you come into that place of agreement the spirit of God will convict you in your heart of what's going on about where you are wrong in your relationship with God and he'll get you right with God that's what the Holy Spirit does in each of our hearts it's amazing sometimes people say to me oh Martin how did you why were you, why were you preaching to me why don't you leave me alone you keep on telling me exactly what's going on in my life brothers and sisters I've got no idea I really don't 
what's going on in your life? Well, some of them I do because I talk a few, to a couple of you, you know, every so often. But let me tell you something. What's really happening is the Holy Spirit is trying to get your attention. That's what's happening. I don't know what's going on in your life intimately, intimate details, but God does. And that's why God speaks to you as we hear and open up the word together. He's extending an invitation to you, saying, come to my way of thinking. He's offering you a chance to, to settle your case out of court. Because if your case ever goes to trial before God, you're going to lose. How do I know that? It's in the Bible. Revelation, chapter 20, verses 11 to 15. Listen to them. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who was seated on it. Earth and sky fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what he had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Brothers and sisters, it's already decided. Is your name in the book of life? If it's not, case closed. That's scary. Have you heard that intimate, individual call from Jesus? He says, I want to save you. And when that call came, did you respond by coming to God? Have you settled your case out of court? I don't want to be there and not have my name written in the book of life. It needs to be settled now. It's not too late. God is still inviting people to come to him and to his way of thinking. And if we come, he'll receive us and he will save us. So do you see how wonderful this invitation is? It's intense. It's immediate. It's very intimate. And it's also incredible. Totally incredible. Verse 15 of the reading of, of Isaiah chapter 1. When you spread out your hands in prayer, says God, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. See, God looks and he sees exactly what we've done. And yet amazingly, God says, look, I see the blood that's on your hands. I see the sin that's in your heart. I know exactly what you're like. I know that you are unclean and you cannot enter into my presence. But if you will just come to me and listen to my invitation, I will cleanse you completely. How complete? Have a look at verse 18. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Fascinating words. The words scarlet, the words crimson, they refer to a dye. A dye that was extracted from both shellfish and a certain type of insect. And when the white garments were dyed with these colors, they could never be made white again. These colors are color fast and indelible. Once they were dyed, the fabrics with this kind of dye, no human means could ever return them to a pure state. 
So God describes the sins of Israel as being like a, a garment that's stained scarlet and crimson. They're dirty. There's nothing that could ever be done to wash the stain away. In ancient times, once the garment was stained like that, it remained that way. Yet, if the people would just respond to God and turn away from their sins, he has the power to make them whiter than snow. You ever seen freshly fallen snow? It's beautiful to look at. It's white, dazzling. And when the sun shines on it, you need your sunnies on. It says we can be made whiter than snow. And white as wool. Well, if you ever take a merino fleece when he's still on, still on the sheep, it's all dark and yucky on the outside, isn't it? But you peel it open and you look inside close to the skin, it's beautiful, clean, white wool. It says we can be yucky on the outside, but God can peel it all away and we can be like that merino wool, fresh and clean and beautiful. The rituals of the people weren't going to make them clean. Their religious observance wouldn't make them clean. The only hope the people had was to accept the Lord's invitation. If they would just do that, he would make the stain of their sin disappear forever. Let every person who hears my voice understand this, that this invitation still stands. There's nothing we can do to take away our sins. At the best, we are just dirty and filthy inside of the Lord. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says in chapter 64, verse 6. He says, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. We cannot get clean of our sin by religious deeds or rituals. We try to erase our sins by our own efforts, and all we succeed in doing is making the stain deeper. But if we listen to God's call and come to him by faith, God has the power to cleanse us from every stain of sin. He's able to take our sins and put them away from us. I like the way the Bible puts this. In, Psalm, in Psalms 103, verse 12, it says, He'll put our sin as far away from us as the east is from the west. That's fascinating. Because when you go around the globe, you can go to the north. You can go to the south and be in the exact north and the exact south. But you cannot go to the exact east or the exact west. It keeps going. God says, I'm going to put your sin that far away from you. It's just going to be gone. He's able to wash us clean. How does he do that? Through the blood of Jesus. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 to 11 says, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. God is able to cleanse us completely of all of our sins. He's able to deliver us from condemnation and the threat of hell that we are all under. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The case has been settled, praise God, if you are in Christ Jesus. But you've got to make sure that you are in. Romans 5 verse 9 says, Since we've now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath? Through him. God is able to make us utterly, perfectly, eternally clean 
through the blood of Jesus Christ because of his sacrifice. Question is, do you know for sure that your sins have been washed away? When God looks down at you, does he see your sins or does he see the righteousness of Jesus Christ? You'll see one or the other. This is an incredible invitation. I remember the first time I heard this invitation and really understood. God invited me to come over to his way of thinking. He promised to cleanse me, to give me eternal life, to save me. My sins were vile. I know what I was doing. I know what I deserved. I heard God's call. His voice was so sweet. He said, come now. And I came. And I'm saved. I came to Jesus by grace, through faith. I was dirty and guilty, but God settled my case out of court. And I'm saved today. I'm glad I took advantage of that. I'm glad, glad God gave me the faith to say yes when he called me. So what about you? Have you said yes as well? Have you heard God call to you? What have you done about his invitation? Some of you have answered it. Many of you have answered and you're saved today. I know that. But some, you also need to hear the call that God is saying, come back. Come back to me. Come back. Stop walking your own way. Come back. You will be restored. God is calling us constantly. And we need to listen to his invitation very carefully because I haven't finished my reading yet. Isaiah chapter 1 verses 19 to 20. Let's have a look at that. Because if you don't obey, let's have a look. There's a consequence. Look, verse 19 says, If you are willing and obedient, you will eat from the best of the land. There's the promise for those of us who return to God. But, verse 20, if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword. That means you're going to come under judgment. You leave this building in two ways today. You're either going to go and get the best from God, or you're going to go and face him and be judged by him. That's the way it's going to work. If people come to God and listen to his call, he promises to bless them. If they refuse to come, all they can expect is God's judgment. So what's it going to be for you? Will it be the blessings of the Lord? Or be his all-consuming judgment? It all depends on what you do with his invitation. I was talking to Trev Wilton yesterday morning. He told me something about an RSVP. That was really cool. Someone was talking to Jesus. And Jesus was describing heaven to this person. And the person says to Jesus, if I get the story right, can anyone come? And Jesus says, yes, everyone's invited to heaven. And the guy said, terrific. And Jesus said, hang on. Only those who have RSVP'd get to go. The invitation's there for everyone. We need to do our RSVP. So how are we going to do that? What are we going to do this morning? I'd invite you to open your Bible to the book of Psalms. Take hold of your Bible. Find the book of Psalms. Psalm 51. Page 405 in your pew Bible if you want to look it up there. Psalm 51. It's a wonderful psalm. If you want to respond to God in some way this morning, this is a psalm which helps you to respond to God. Why don't we read together 
altogether, those of you who want to respond to God, the first 17 verses, make it your response, make it your prayer to God. Let's read these verses together. Psalm 51, page 405 in your pew Bible. Let's read them out loud together. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. For I was sinful of birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I'll be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence. Or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions your ways. And sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God. The God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice. Or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Amen. Father, we thank you that we can come before you in the name of Jesus and that the sacrifice we bring is simply our own broken spirits. And we are broken, Lord, and we are contrite in our hearts. We thank you for the incredible promise that you will not despise us, but that you invite us to come into your presence, to walk alongside you, to reason with you, to hear you as you speak to us. We agree about what you say about our lives, and we also agree and thank you, Lord, that for us we are now in Christ Jesus, and being in that state there is no longer any condemnation. We give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name.